Hi, my name is Rhonda Minga, and I would like to welcome you today to Freedom Ministries in Crossed, Arkansas. I invite you to connect with us online at freedomministriescrossed.com. Now let's take the time to pray before we tune in to today's message. Lord, I lift you up, and I just pray that you draw us by your Spirit. I pray that you show us your Word. You give us great and mighty revelations of who you are and how you want to move in and through us. Lord, be with these people as they tune in now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. I want to, I want to teach y'all something this morning. Hallelujah. How about I teach you he is alive? <laughs> Hallelujah. He is alive. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I have a word for the offering, but I think I'm going to skip it. Thank you, Minister Rhonda. Because <clears throat> I was, I'm, you know, I got two words here I got to, sh I want to get out. And I, that's, I need to. I want to show you something. <clears throat> I got a revelation. And I'm talking about, you know, a lot of times I get revelations. I read books from other people, financial books and stuff. And they say something and I get a revelation from what they said. I say, this, is, this one is a direct download. I've never, never heard anybody tell me what I'm fixing to tell you. Hallelujah. You know, we thank God a lot of times for, the, for provision. We do. We thank you. Thank you, God, for providing this. Thank you for providing that. But he showed me here a while back. He said, we should be more thankful for the seed. We should be more thankful for the seed than we are for the provision. Because without the seed, there is no provision. Hmm. The provision comes from the seed. In Genesis 2 8, it says, And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. God didn't just all of a sudden say, Tree be, and there was a tree. This says he planted a garden. What do you plant in a garden? Seed. God planted a seed for what he wanted to grow. Hallelujah. God planted. I'm getting there, Miss Lynetta. That's all right. You're on the right track. Hallelujah. Let's go to Genesis 1, 11. It says, and God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree 
yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. When he said it was so, he said it was established. God said it is established. This principle that I just put here is established. It also tells us on over in, I think it's Genesis 8, 22. It says, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest shall not cease. The earth is still here. That principle still works. Every, the seed that God planted back in the Garden of Eden is still producing today. Think about that. All the trees, all the flowers, everything that you see right now started in Genesis 1, 3. He started them right there. And they're still producing. And it says, And the earth brought forth grass, herb yielding seed after its kind, and the fruit tree yielding fruit, whose seed was in itself, and God saw that it was good. That all happened on the third day. Okay, Miss Lamani. God planted a seed, and on the third day, it was producing fruit. It had risen up out of the ground. Jesus <laughs> rose on the third day. He was planted in the ground. We're his fruit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I just thought I'd throw that in there. Genesis 1, 29 says, And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of the earth and every tree in the, in the which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed to you it shall be for meat. When he says herb bearing seed, he actually said, I've given you provision and seed. I give you provision and seed. The fruit tree. The fruit for us to eat, the seeds to plant. I've given you provision. I've given you food and seed all in one package. It's a package deal. The provision and the seed come together in a package. Our seed for our next harvest is in what we have right now. The seed for your next harvest is what you have right now. Hallelujah. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 2. No, 2 Corinthians 9. Verse 10. 
says, Now he that ministers, which means furnishes abundantly, seed to the sower, both furnishes abundantly bread for your food, and multiplies your seed sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness. When we step into this principle and we begin to sow our seed like God tells us to, it puts us in right standing with him. It puts us in right standing with kingdom principles. God provides us with the food and the seed to sow. And this is the scripture I'm going to give you as to why people call money a seed. Well, everything that we do is a seed. It produces something. Ecclesiastes 10, 19 says, but the end of that scripture says, but money answers all things. The word answers right there actually means responds to, speaks to, and testifies to. Money answers. Money answers my light bill. Money answers your car payment. Money answers food on your table. And it testifies to Jesus being your provider. Let's go to Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3, verse 8. You ever have scriptures in the Bible that you run across that you don't really like, so you avoid them? (laughs) I usually, when I teach Malachi 3, I start in verse 10. I'm just saying, because I don't like verse, I didn't like verse 8. I saw that. It's like, I don't like that verse. I'll skip over and start in verse 10. But there's a revelation in verse 8. I rarely hear people teach on verse 8. It says, will a man rob God, yet ye have robbed me. You say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. You know, you can't rob somebody of something if it doesn't already belong to them. So what I saw is the tithe is God's seed. It's not my seed to God. It's God's seed because the tithe belongs to him. He's let me hold it. God actually gave me his seed so I could sow it back to him.
He gave me his seed so I could sow it back to him so he can bless me. Now tell me, <laughs> that's not rigged. God owns the tithe. It belongs to him. He lets me hold it. You know, when you hold something that belongs to somebody else, you don't get attached to it. That's why I say this is rigged. We get attached to our tithe sometimes. We think it's ours. We can't live without it. But God said it's mine. If, if Miss Julie give me something to hold on to for her, and then she comes in to get it back, I have no trouble giving it back. The reason is, is because it's not mine. It's hers. I'll hold it in safekeeping, take care of it, but then when she comes to get it back here, there is no attachment. So what God was doing right there is he was keeping us, or trying to, keep us from getting attached to the tithe because it actually does not belong to us to start with. If it was mine, I might have a right to be attached to it and say, no, I want to keep this. But when it's not mine, I don't have a right when he asks for it to say, no, you can't have back what belongs to you. The tithe is God's seed. I wrote this statement. I wrote, said, the tithe, God says, the tithe is mine. I'm going to let you hold it and then give it back to me so I can multiply it for you. He didn't multiply it for himself. He's multiplying it for you. Hallelujah. Jesus is alive. <clears throat> and the thing about it being God's seed is it is not an inferior seed. When we sow God's seed, it is not inferior. Yes, it is, a, it is an heirloom seed. We've been here lately been looking into different kinds of seeds, and there's a bunch of them out there that have been modified and all kinds of stuff done to them. They won't even produce. And you can plant it in the ground, it'll produce what, it's, what it does, and it'll bear fruit, but then you can't take the seed out of that fruit and plant it and grow anything because man has put their hand to it. But God's seed is a perfect seed. It has no flaws. Man cannot mess with it. That's why, see, when God planted a seed on the third day, I think I told you a while ago, those seeds are still producing because they were God's seeds. In verse 12, we'll skip over. It says, and all nations shall call you blessed, 
that's the point of tithing. I've always thought tithing is so that we could have plenty. That's a part of it. The main part of tithing is so that the nations will look at you and say, their God takes care of them. Their God blesses them. That's why God would not let you sow an inferior seed. I don't know about you, but whenever I saw that the tithe is actually God's seed. You know, I've been tithing for years. But when I saw that it's actually God's seed, that makes, to me, that makes a world of difference. I view it different. It's like, oh, I know it belongs to God, but I've never seen it as his seed. It's his seed that he's let us hold so that we can give it back to him. We can place it back to his, in his hands, and then he'll multiply it and give it back to us. That sounds like a pretty good deal. See, our provision is just waiting on us to release the seed. Your provision is waiting for you to release a seed Your provision is waiting. Your provision is waiting for you to release a seed. Hallelujah. I see some people have already released their seed. But your provision is waiting. It is waiting. Your provision is waiting for you to release a seed. <clears throat> that scripture says money answers all things. It means you can name that seed. You can name it. Something you need, name your seed. God, I'm sowing this seed for this. I need a harvest in this area. Sow that seed. Name it. Hallelujah. I was talking to Miss Carol the other day, and I was, I got excited because she's already teaching her grandkids to give. That way, I mean, when they're this old and you teach them to give, when they grow on up, giving is not an issue. That is, that is awesome. Now, when the, you wait till they get 20 years old and start working and get their own paycheck and you try to teach them how to give, oh, you got a battle on your hands. But what she's doing is preparing them ahead of time. And that is awesome. So if you want to sow a seed this morning, hallelujah, Jesus, give you praise, Jesus.
Lord, we just thank you. Lord, we thank you that you give us your seed to sow back to you so you could bless us. That's just like a father. That's just like a father. You give me this, I give this to you. Okay, you give it back, I'm going to give you more. That's just like a father. Hallelujah. So, Lord, we just ask that you bless these seeds. That you bless these seeds in the name of Jesus. These seeds, God. Lord, we just bless these seeds. Lord, we just ask that you bring a harvest forth. A harvest forth. That you open our eyes that we see the harvest. That we don't get so caught up in, in the lack that we don't see where you have ministered and blessed us. Lord, we just thank you for that harvest. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Okay, y'all ready for round two? <laughs> Hallelujah. I think our monitors, I don't know what's happened to them, but we'll get them fixed before too long. Let's go to Matthew 16. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. Matthew 16, verse 13. The title of this message is, Who Do You Say I Am? That's what Jesus asked his disciples. And the answer to that question will determine your future. Who do you say I am? Who do you? Matthew 16, 13 says, When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And then in verse 14, And they said, Some say thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. They were all in their mind. They were in their mind coming up with these answers. And then in verse 15, he gets personal with it. And he says unto them, but whom say ye that I am? He asked them personally, who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Thou art the Christ means thou art the anointed, the Son of the living God. The other people's answer was a mind answer. Simon's answer was a spirit answer. Hallelujah. In verse 17... And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed 
art thou Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. That word blessed means power to succeed. I heard a minister, I can't remember who he was, but I guess it was a minister, I'm not even sure, but I heard someone say it and it hit my spirit and I wrote it down. Put it that way. The word I bless you means I've released the power to succeed. I've anointed you to prosper, and you are impossible to curse. When, that's why it's important to not just bless everything and everybody. Dr. Marcerillo taught us that we don't bless everything and everybody because our words are so powerful. When he say, when Jesus actually told Peter, I blessed, he said, blessed art thou. He said, I release the power to succeed in you. I release the anointing upon you. And a curse can't come. Because in Proverbs, it tells us that a curse without a cause cannot come. If you're lined up with God, there is no cause for a curse. Then it says, and God has revealed this revelation to you. See, Peter was out of his mind. He was out of his mind. We talk about people being out of their mind in a bad way. But as far as we're concerned, to be out of our mind is a good thing. Because Peter was out of his mind when he answered that question. Then verse 18 says, And unto, and I say also unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Verse 19, And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. <coughs> Hallelujah. Upon this rock, upon this revelation of Jesus. The revelation that Jesus is the anointed son of the living God. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. See, a church that knows Jesus will prevail. A people that knows Jesus will prevail. A person that knows Jesus will prevail. Hallelujah. And it says, with this revelation, we get the keys of the kingdom. Verse 19. We don't get the keys to the kingdom of God without first having the revelation that Jesus is the son of the living God. We cannot get that. Hallelujah. You ever wondered what the keys of the kingdom are? 
I can tell you what the keys to the kingdom are. The keys to the kingdom of heaven are revelations. The keys to the kingdom of heaven are revelations. Keys are used to shut and to open things. Revelations open things to us. Revelations is what gives us the power to operate. See, the revelations that we have are the ones that we operate in power and authority in. For example, the seven sons of Sceva, they saw Paul walk in power and authority and cast out devils. Paul had a revelation of Jesus. The seven sons of Sceva didn't have a revelation of Jesus. They didn't know him, but they still tried to operate in the same principle that Paul did, and the enemy beat him up. It comes back to the revelation. Paul had a revelation. He had a key to the kingdom. He had a key that could bind and loose. Keys give you access. They give you access into the kingdom realm. See, when we get the revelation that Jesus Christ, the anointed Son of God, and that he lives in me, we got to get that part too, that he lives in me, then we can use the keys of the kingdom to bind and to loose. See, when I get the revelation that I am more than a conqueror, then I can walk in power and authority. But until I get that, I'm going to be defeated a whole lot. When I get the, key, the keys of the kingdom concerning tithes and offerings, then those principles begin to work in my life. But until I get that, they don't. In Luke 4.18, it says, Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach. Jesus had the revelation that he was the anointed Son of God. Have you ever thought about it? Jesus was born, raised up with all those other kids. And I know Joseph and Mary told him that you are the Son of God. You are of a miraculous birth. But when he was born, he wasn't old enough to know that. He had to receive that revelation from them and step into it that, hey, I am. I am the Son of God. Jesus had to receive that revelation himself. So when Jesus, the anointed one, the empowered one, the equipped one, so when Jesus anoints us, he empowers us and equips us for whatever he has anointed us for. 
See, Jesus, the anointed one, lives in me. I think that's why a while ago we had to say, I don't forget what we were saying now, Jesus is alive. He's alive. He's alive. Until I really get that down in me, that he is alive in me. That's when we walk in power and authority. John 10, 30, Jesus said, I and my Father are one. Everything God is, Jesus is. And we have Jesus living inside of us. Genesis 1, 1, you know, let me flip back. Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created. God identified himself right there as the creator. That means Jesus, the anointed son of God, is the creator. I have the creator living in me. <laughs> I have the creator of all things living in me inside hallelujah and when we get that revelation see this opens up a whole nother realm of possibilities when we get that revelation that I have the creator living in me when Jesus said I am the way the truth and the life and no man comes to the father but by me Jesus said I am the way he said I am the creator I create a way where there is no way. I've heard, and I've said it before, he creates a way where there seems to be no way. And that's good. But he creates a way where there is no way. Where there is no way. The other one sounds like there's a way, I just hadn't found it yet. But when he says, I am the way, I am the creator, I'll create a way where there absolutely is no way. That's who we have. The creator. You know, in Luke 1, 37, the angel Gabriel said to Mary, he says, with God, nothing shall be impossible. Nothing. Not a single thing. <laughs> he doesn't help us find the way. He is the way. So in 2 Corinthians 5, 19 and 20, God has committed, this, I used this last time I preached, God has committed unto us or ordained unto us the word of reconciliation to restore divine order. We are ambassadors for Christ. We are a member of the celestial council. When I taught that last, not last Sunday, but the Sunday before, when I taught that we are a member of the Celestial Council, I actually felt some resistance. It's like, I don't know that I want that. <coughs> it wasn't from a particular person. 
it was just kind of like, I don't know about all that. Ephesians 2, 6 says, He hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He hath raised, means to rouse from the dead, us up and made us sit together in heavenly celestial places. It's in there twice. We sit in the heavenly council of God. That's where we want, he wants us to sit. We have a voice in the affairs on the earth. We have a voice in what we allow to take place. We have a voice as to whether we allow things to happen. But we've got to lift up our voice. We've got to be willing to lift it up and prophesy and declare what God says. I heard a minister was listening to him. I'm not going to tell you his name. But he has a Facebook page. And he has a lot of people that come on there. He says he has people that imitate him in a derogatory way. They come on there and pretend to be him all the time. They have their own package, but they're pretending to be him. He uh, contacted Facebook because they're supposed to stop that kind of stuff. Sent them all of his information to, no, to identify himself so that they could put a stop to that. And he's a well-known minister. And they didn't consider him to be worthy to do that. In one of his services, God led him to curse Facebook, not curse it, not cursive language, but he stood up and cursed the Facebook and the way it was operating. And the next day or two, uh, the guy that runs it lost like 29 million billion. Dollars. Words are powerful. And he said, in one day, he lost 29 billion because a man of God stood up and says, I'm not, I'm not having this. I am not having it. Words are powerful. That's what being a member of the Celestial Council does being of a member of the celestial council is what allows us to or stirs us up to pray for people to command things to come out to command lungs to be free that is comes from sitting in the celestial council hallelujah See, we don't have to settle for things as though they are. We don't have to settle for what's called the status quo. We don't have to settle for that. We don't have to settle for this is my lot in life. You hear people say, oh, this is my lot. God says, change your lot. Change it. Change your lot. 
He says, rise up, my people. Rise up, my people. Rise up, my children. Take your place on my celestial council. Take your place. Take your place. It says that hell cannot prevail against my anointing. Rise up. Rise up. Rise up. Rise up. Rise up. He says, rise up. Rise up. He says to 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 rise up. Rise up. Rise up and take your place. Rise up and take your place of authority. Rise up and take your place of power. Rise up. Rise up. He says, my children, rise up. We are the children of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We have a right to have some authority. And he says to rise up. He says to rise up. He says to rise up. It don't matter if you feel like rising up. He said rise up. Rise up, take your place. Rise up and take your place. Rise up and take your place. Rise up and take your place. Rise up, Adam. Take your place. Take your place. The devil's scared of you. People are scared of you in the natural. The devil is more scared than they ever thought about being. He is scared of you. You just got to rise up. And take your place. Nobody else can take that. It is yours. It is yours. To rise up. We got to rise up and take our place. We got to rise up and take our place. We got to rise up and take our place. We got to rise up and take our place. You want to rise up with some authority? Come on up. I feel it sometimes when I'm praying for people. I walk up to pray for them, then all of a sudden it just, there's just something just comes up in me that's, we have more authority, you have more authority, Lynn than you know. It's going to raise you up some more. If one man that's under the anointing can stand up and cause a worldly business that's trying to destroy the kingdom of God because they limit what you post on there. I'm telling you, they do. They limit what you post if you're a Christian. But if one man can, under the anointing can stand up and, and speak to that business and cause it to lose $29 billion, What can we do? What can we do?
Thank you again for tuning in with us. If this word ministered to you, please consider sowing a seed to Freedom Ministries at freedomministriescrossit.com. We have made it available to you on the giving page. Thank you again. Go and be blessed in Jesus' name.